Welcome to Conversations with the Black Girl Blogger podcast, where you will hear amazing human interest stories from everyday people. They will inspire you, they will encourage you, and they will help you to overcome all of what you are going through in your life. I am your host, Aisha Morgan, and let's meet today's guest. On today's episode, I talked to Jonathan Gonzalez. And I am so excited for y'all to hear this discussion, Um, just hearing his story, what he overcame, and what he's doing with his life right now is just so inspiring. It's so motivating. I met Jonathan long ago um, when he was just changing his life. And even back then, I knew that his life was just destined for greatness. There was just something different about him. Um, different in a good way but definitely something in him that was just very captivating um, even at such a young age and I'm excited for y'all to hear this conversation it was so good that I had to put it into two parts because no amount of editing would have done his story justice so let's get into part one of my conversation with Jonathan okay so we are here with Jonathan Gonzalez And after today's episode, y'all are really going to have a new perspective on life, literally. Um, I know Jonathan for a very long time, and I'm going to let him introduce himself because we're going to get right into this conversation. Well, Isha, thank you so much. I I am so honored, and I'm just so happy that we're able to get together and do this finally, right? I know. (laughs) My, uh, my name is Jonathan Gonzalez. Uh, today, I am a youth pastor. I am a speaker. I am a husband, a father. Um, and I can go on and on with all the great things that I'm involved in doing when it comes to reaching our communities. But the reality of this is, Isha, who I am today is not who I always was. You know, And so uh, there, it's definitely been a journey. And I've been on this beautiful road where every season, I, I am evolving, I am growing, and just becoming the better me that I was created to be. Absolutely. So I'm going to tell you a story that you may or may not even remember. So the first time I met Jonathan, Ashley called me and she said, hey, do you want to go to lunch with me? And I was like, yeah, I guess. So she's like, well, it's going to be like other people there. So I forgot the (laughs) other kid's name that's like was always with their family. Um, And she's like, he's going to be there. And then this guy from church is going to be there. So I'm like, okay. She's like, well, he's really nice. Like um, we get along really well. And I already knew what she said that, like what this was all about. So I'm like, okay, cool. So she says, um, you know, he has a scar on his face because he was in a really bad accident. So I'm just giving you a heads up. And like in my head, I'm thinking that like, you know, you have like some kind of, (laughs) you know, really big scar that's like makes you unrecognizable as a person. Um, And so we get there and we are having lunch and I don't remember all of what we talked about. But the one thing I remember you said was, and I'm paraphrasing, if someone talked to me about God the way that I would talk to someone right now, back when I was younger, 
I wouldn't have gone through what I did. And again, Mm. that's like totally paraphrasing. Mm. And I just remember like in my head thinking, who is this kid? (laughs) Like, what in the world? Like, and I, after Ashley, you know, you got to do the debriefing. And so she's like, so what did you think? Like, I said, he's different. I was like, he's really (laughs) different. Um, not how old is he like that's all I kept saying was like how old is he and she's like no he's just been through like a lot and even back then like your voice like the way you spoke it was very like attention grabbing and like I felt like there was something in you that was like very captivating if that makes sense Mm. and it was just weird and she was, you know, asking me all these questions. And I just kept saying, like, I don't know, like, it's just something different about him. I can't explain it. But it's just something different. And she's like, different, good or bad. I was like, no, definitely good. He's not like anybody else that you've <laughs> ever liked. So, but different. And the rest is history. Like, I've watch your story kind of evolve over time which has been like extremely enjoyable um even at a distance because there were things that like I just knew from her and like having small conversations with you here and there um but clearly this was not what you imagined for yourself Mm. when you were younger so when you were younger like what did you kind of see like, where did you see your life going? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And, and thank you so much for sharing what you shared. It uh, made my heart smile as I'm listening, as I'm remembering and going back. Um, so what's interesting is when we go back to, uh, you know, John, a young Jonathan, I'm a Jersey boy. I was born in Jersey, but I was raised in Columbia, South America. Okay. Uh, and I was my parents went back out there to, you know, to handle some business and to see if they sold their, their homes and to see if they would establish something there. Uh, and then I came back here to Atlantic City, New Jersey, uh, at the age of, well, I was in third grade, second, third grade. Okay. Uh, and so when I came back to the city, there was no Spanish. I'm sorry, no English. I didn't speak not one bit of English. It was just Spanish because I was, you know, I went all my elementary and pre-elementary was in Colombia and South America. Okay. Um, and so it, it was an inter- It was tough. It was interesting. Um, yeah. Number one, inner city. Uh, number two, uh, you know, you don't understand a culture. You don't understand what your teachers are saying and you're just there. Right. Right. Uh, and so in the beginning, it was very, very tough. Um, but I, I never, I never would have imagined that I would be doing what I'm doing today. Right. If I was to look back, not at all. Um, a, a young Hispanic city boy just trying to survive because that's what happens when you're placed in those conditions. Um, and, and little did I know that, that I would go through something horrible that would actually shape the rest of my life. And, and I like to say this, that sometimes I've learned that, um, that God will often use your greatest pain as a launching pad to your greatest calling. And so in the midst of going through things, we absolutely don't even think or, or, or try to fathom or understand why we're going through something. But the reality is God is at work in it. And God is preparing us as we are going through our pain, through our walls, through whatever we're facing, whether it's physical, financial, spiritual, emotional, whatever it is, like we are being prepared for something greater. Absolutely. And so um, I was raised in the inner city, Lang City, my backyard. My back view was actually the Ultram Plaza. Um, you know, our view was the elevator going up, 
the seagulls being lit up at night by the lights. Uh, that was our backyard. When you looked outside, that was there, you know. Um, and my parents got divorced at um, at a very young age. So I was probably in middle school when my parents got divorced. And so at a very, very early age, I had to figure out, okay, um, dad's not there. I don't have that, that strong fatherly figure. And I got two little brothers. And so I kind of became, I had, I had no other choice but to become the uh, the leader of a household, not knowing what that meant or what that looked like. Yeah. Um, so n- not easy at all. But but even yet, in the midst of all that, you know, God still had a plan, and and God still has a plan. No matter whether you're inner city, whether you're in the suburbs, whether you're in the mountaintops, or wherever you are, um, God has a plan for our lives. And uh, and I had no idea, Isha, I tell you, no idea that I would be doing what I'm doing today. And that out of what happened to me at an early age, uh, I would have this platform to reach, you know, uh, uns- uncountable amounts. Of number. I've lost count on how many people I've reached through my story, if yeah. that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. Because I remember on Facebook, um, you were tagged in this. Um, I don't know if it was like an interview or if you were just talking. But I wrote this down because I was I knew I was gonna forget. Um, Soldiers of Faith, yeah, and they had done that interview with you, um, where you were sitting there telling your story, and like even back then, that was 2018. Um, just like I could picture the younger you in that restaurant talking to me the way you were talking, like sitting there. So it was like weird, not weird, like bad, but it was That's just awesome. like, I knew it. Like just hearing your voice back then, I knew there was like something else mm. that you were going to do outside of, you know, what you were thinking. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's, uh, that really, really excites me and, and actually empowers me right now as we speak, because um, even though we've accomplished much and, and God has done a lot in my life, we're just getting started, right? That's where my yeah. mind is at. I'm, I'm literally just knee deep, right? And um, and I'm believing that uh, that this year coming up is going to be a very, very powerful year when it comes to to continuing that 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 evolvement of of self, right? Um, yeah. And and that just that outreach capability that that God has blessed me with to uh, to connect with people yeah. uh, and to inspire them and to bring hope in a room if given the chance. Oh, you will trust me. Doors are going to open for you. Like people always say, I guarantee there are people speaking your name in rooms that you never even imagined. That's good. That's good. Trust me. Like I, I, I just watch your videos and I'm one person. And I think that one video had like almost a million views or something crazy. Um, so trust me, people know who you are. You may not know them, but they know who you are. Mm. Excellent. So you kind of touched on like, you know, you never thought that this would be where you were, where you were going to end up. What catapulted you into a whole different mind frame? Yeah. So let me take you into what I call the um, the bloodiest night of my life. Right. And so at the age of 17, Isha, um, I bled to death in the backseat of a car. Wow. I did. I did not choose. I did not ask for it. For me, it was just another ride home. I actually was just looking to get home that night. That's all I wanted to do. I actually was messing up at school. You know, I'm getting high. I'm missing school. 
Um, I see the pain in my mom. I'm stressing my family out. And that evening, I said, you know what? I just want to make it home. You know, I don't, I don't want to go get high. I don't want to go chill. I don't want to go hang. So just take me home. Unfortunately, I never made it home that night. And so I, I jumped into the backseat of a vehicle expecting to get home that night, not knowing that I would not see home for months, not knowing that what would happen to me in the backseat of that car would actually change my life forever. It would scar my life and it would actually take my life. Um, and in a blink of an eye, everything changed for me. I, um, we, pull, we pull off, I, I jump into the back seat, sat literally right in the middle uh, of, of the two seats. Mm-hmm. And I placed my left leg underneath the driver's side seat and we pull off. Uh, and we're literally, when I tell you literally, we're literally five, six, seven minutes away from where I used to live. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was a short ride, and, uh, but I never made it. And, and what would happen to me along the way would be what catapults me into what I'm doing today, you know? Yeah. Um, and here I am, my cell phone rings. I pick up my phone. I'm looking down, not paying attention. And uh, the, the, the vehicle is moving. Um, again, I'm on the phone. I, I'm not looking forward. I'm, I'm not ready for anything. I'm just expecting to get home that evening. Right. Now, I, I would say this. If it wasn't for my left leg, the way I positioned it, I wouldn't have survived the hit. Uh, the hit actually was was just so traumatic that um, that if my left leg was positioned any other way, I would have broken my neck, my spine, just from the impact. I would have flew wow. right right through the vehicle. And so I, I'll never forget this. I'll never forget you know going up this little bridge and this little marina. I'll never forget the water on either end. I'll never forget seeing the boats. And then, um, and then here's where it happens. Uh, and, and sometimes we, we place, <laughs> this is crazy because we, we place our lives a lot in, in, in the hands of other people. Mm-hmm. The, the individual that was driving was actually under the influence. She was high, okay. you know? And so I don't know if she dozed off or if she fell asleep. I don't know if she was pilled up. I'm not sure. I just know that she was high. And so as we're turning with a bend, she never turned. And at that exact same moment, there's a truck coming from the other side. Um, and as, as she dozes off, our vehicle goes into the other lane. And at that exact same moment is when we hit a truck head on. Wow. Um, I'll never forget. I'm looking down. I hear a scream. I look up. I see white lights and boom. I mean, it, it happened fast. I didn't get a chance to clinch. I didn't get a chance to move, put my hands out. Nothing at all, Isha. It was all just, I looked up and boom. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where it happened. I found myself bleeding to death. Uh, my left leg was actually mangled underneath the seat. If it wasn't for my left leg, I, again, I would have went right through the windshield and would have suffered even more, you know, just traumatic injuries to my neck and my back. Um, my, my whole face, my whole face was literally indented into this, you know, the front windshield and I, I, I could not move. Uh, my cell phone ends up exploding on my mouth, which is where you see this little scar next to my mouth. Yeah. Uh, almost lose my eye. I break over 14 bones in my face. I break my jaw in three different places. Um, not only am I externally bleeding from my leg being mangled and hanging, but my, my spleen ruptured from the impact. So I was internally bleeding at the same time. And so in, in a blink of an eye, everything changed for me. I, um, here I am stuck. I'm stuck in this position of just my face indented and my body back here. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll never forget uh, opening my eyes and knowing that something horrible, something incredibly horrible has just happened. But 
I didn't know exactly what it was. I was still coming to. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget the smoke. I'll never forget the eerie feeling of, listen, this is bad. This is really, really bad. Yeah. I uh, look over to my left and I, I, I get to see the girl that was driving. She was just really out of it. And I saw some blood coming down her face and I was like, oh, snap. And I look over to my right and that's when I see my friend, Jen, her whole face and chest were just in the dashboard. All I could see was the back of her head and she starts screaming. Um, and that's when it hit me, car accident, you know, something happened. Um, and then out of the desperation of her screaming, and then out of the desperation of my left leg hanging by a piece of skin, I can't tell you, I, I, add, I just grabbed my hands and I, I pulled myself off of this windshield and I threw myself in the back seat. I pulled my leg out and I'll never forget this. I pulled my leg out and my left leg was literally hanging by a piece of skin, bone sticking out. It was, it was bloody. It was, it was, it was horrible. It really was. It really was the bloodiest night of my life. And, and this is, this is where it happens. This is where I have that undeniable moment where, uh, where my life has forever been changed, has forever been marked. Uh, and I believe, I really believe that the reason why I am alive today doing what I am doing it's because of what happened to me that evening. Oh, yeah. I would yeah. not be here doing what I'm doing. I, I would not have made it to uh, the year. Today, I'm 35. I should have never made it to 35. I shouldn't have. Yeah. Right. Just like, just like many other young Hispanic uh, and black males are, 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 are marked by, you know, the society that, that we're shoved into. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we don't make it this far. But, but yet God had a plan for my life that evening. Even in the midst of my pain, even in the midst of me dying, um, I, I had a, a moment, a, a spiritual awakening, per se. I, I had a beautiful moment that has marked my life forever. That is very dramatic. Um, so just kind of walk us through, like, what happened after that? Mm. Yeah, good. So I um, here I am laying in the backseat and, um, you know, I held on probably for about 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I just, I suffered too much blood loss. And at right. some point the body can only take so much trauma until it just goes, you know? Um, and I'll never forget the fire trucks, uh, first responders, everyone's just coming to our, to our scene to, to, to assess and to get us out. Yeah. Um, but I'm stuck in the back. I'm stuck. You know, the way the, the vehicle ended up, you know, crushed mm -hmm. uh, and impacted. I was just literally in a little tiny pocket in the back. Um, just holding on and hanging on. And, and here's where it happens. In the midst of my left leg hanging, in the midst of the internal bleeding, for the first time in my life, Isha, I prayed to God. I cried out to God. I did. Yeah. Listen, I, I was not raised in a home that taught me this. It was not exampled in front of me. I did not follow it, not one bit. If, if I was to take you into my preteen years and my teenager years, that was the last thing that I was worried about was figuring out who was God or, or, or how do I follow these commands or how do I live a righteous life? That was nowhere near on my radar. But that evening, in the midst of me dying, I cried out. I prayed for the first time. And, and the prayer was simple. The prayer was, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done, who I've been. But if you give me one more chance to live, I'll never forget this. And, and it still brings chills when I mention this because I'm literally living this out today. If you give me one more chance to live, I'll come back and serve you. Those were my last words uh, as I was dying in the backseat of this vehicle from all of this traumatic um, impact that I received. What I felt 
And what I seen, I still remember to this day, and I share this with anyone I come in contact. Uh, now, what's interesting is this, and maybe you've read or, or have experienced some of this yourself when it comes to um, other people's stories of near-death experiences. They're all very different, but they all have very similar similarities. They have a lot of connection to them. Yeah. Um, and I, I've heard stories from, from the youngest of people to the oldest, uh, and I'm telling you, they all have this they may not be exactly the same, but they do have very, very similar points to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that evening, I had just my life just flash before my eyes. I saw pictures of my life. I saw a, a baby Jonathan, a younger Jonathan, a toddler Jonathan, a, 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 a middle school Jonathan. You know, I, I saw my life just flash before my eyes yeah. as, as I was taking my last breath. Um, and the last thing I remember seeing, and this is interesting, was my mother's face. I don't know why. Maybe because the mother, you know, gives so much and loves so much and does so much for their child. Yeah. Um, but that's the last thing I remember seeing um, before I closed my eyes. And, and, um, and that was it for me. You know, yeah. it, it was dark. Wow. So once you woke back up, where did it, did you remember anything? Was this like a process? Because I know like a lot of people when they're in accidents and they literally die. Um, it takes them some time to kind of remember even what happened. But did you even, when you woke up, did you remember what happened? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, me waking up was, was very interesting. I was in a coma for two weeks. Wow. Um, I, I was woken back up in the helicopter after I was removed from the vehicle. Mm-hmm. And I was woken back up with uh, defibrillators just to, to, to get, some kind of pulse back into my, into my body. Um, but when I was put back to sleep, I was in an induced coma for two and a half, almost three weeks. Um, when I woke up, I woke up in a semi-vegetable state. Mm -hmm. All I could do was move my fingers. All I could do was talk. I I couldn't talk. I'm sorry. All I could do was hear and see that was it. Um, and that, that went on for probably weeks as I was just learning to get all of my my motor functions back. Remember, I hit my head really, really hard. Yeah. Um, and so that really just rocked my whole body. Um, it, I, we came to a point where the doctors actually had told my mom, and um, uh, you know, let let me preface by saying this: picture a a uh, a strong, charactered Colombian woman, right, with a doctor, and she's already going through a lot of grief. I mean, this is her firstborn going through all this, and right. picture a doctor coming up to that. That, that Spanish woman saying, hey, we're ready to unplug your, your son. Uh, we would like to use, you know, his organs or something or whatever was still working elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I can only imagine what she must have said uh, to, to those doctors. I mean, um, you know, and if it wasn't for her saying, no, you're not, you're not unplugging him. No, yeah. you're going to keep him plugged in. Um, I definitely would not also be here. I mean, she played a key role in, in leaving me plugged in and alive. Um, but, but yeah, I was there for, uh, three weeks. I remember waking up in a lot, a lot of pain, a lot of pain. The first thing I did not wake up thinking or, 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 or imagining what I just came out of. I just remember being a lot, a lot of pain. I'll never forget waking up and I'm moving my whole jaw with my tongue. You know, they, they had not actually worked on my mouth yet. They worked on my left leg. They worked on my stomach and my internal bleeding. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when I woke up is when they put me back to sleep to do work on my face. Um, so they ended up, you know, uh, wiring my jaw shut for, 
about eight months. Um, and so, um, so it was tough. It was very, very tough. I was in a lot, a lot of pain. Yeah. Uh, me remembering what happened to me probably came two weeks afterwards. Okay. Um, and that, that was horrible. That was hard. Imagine being 17. You're 17 years old. You're a senior in high school, right? Things are going well. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Getting a little bit of trouble here and there. Um, but, but things are going well. And everything has just stopped. Everything. Your whole life is rocked. Yeah. Everything. You can't move around. You can't walk. I can't do what I used to do. All I could do was move my fingers. I was in a massive amount of pain. And I was weighing like 85, 87 pounds. Oh, my goodness. It was a mess. I was a mess. I had just survived death. And so when I woke up, I woke up very confused. I woke up in a lot of pain. uh, And I quickly fell into a a very, very bad habit, which was pressing the button. And that pressing the button was hitting that morphine button just to go back to sleep because I did not want to be awake, uh, which would lead into a massive, massive opiate addiction in my early um, journey of of waking up and getting back up and walking and, and all of that. Yeah. So mentally, um, because a lot of people cannot relate to what you went through. We see the physical, you know, we see the progress outside, but mentally, like, what did that do to you during that time? Mentally, it, it destroyed me. It choked me out. Yeah. And, and again, if, if I was to look back, I was still a teenager. Mm-hmm. I was a teenager who was just trying to make it through. And again, I, I never my father has always been an amazing dude. Amazing, amazing. Always provided. But me and my younger brothers never had a strong fatherly figure. That makes any sense. Yeah. Um, we didn't have that. We just didn't. And my mom was always working, just trying to provide for the bills. So it was just us. Right. So um, I never really had a strong foundation to know how to deal with, with these things, whether it was massive traumatic pain, whether it was something as simple as picking up a tool and using it. Right. Um, and so mentally, it destroyed me. It choked me. It choked me out. Uh, mentally, again, it drove me into a massive uh, depression. Uh, I was mentally unstable for sure. I know, I know for a fact that I suffer PTSD from, from it. And for yeah. years to come, I, I would be dealing with that. And the way that I dealt with it was through the usage of drugs. You know, um, now today, what's interesting, people, if I was to tell you, listen, Isha, today I am going on 15 years free from drugs, right? Um, that's just, just that, that just adds a little tad bit to my story itself. But a lot of people are like, what? You used to do what? Like, yeah, yeah. I used to be addicted, massively addicted, not just to the morphine and the opiates, but, you know, weed became a pretty normal. Uh, that was every day. That, that was a must. That yeah. was like, that was like smoking cigarettes. Uh, but then, you know, uh, you know, the whole drug life just really overtook my life for, for some years. Mm-hmm. Um, and the young Jonathan that you met was someone that had just came out of all of that and had just experienced how God had freedom from the addiction, freedom from the mental instability, freedom from um, the physical pain. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing physically, I'm doing things that I'm not supposed to be doing, but, but I'm able to do them. Uh, and so the young Jonathan that you met was, was a, a Jonathan who had just tasted and seen how good God was, right? Yeah. And so I was fired up. I was excited. I was zealous uh, and just so hopeful and so uh, on fire uh, to see what God had for me, you know? And I was just excited to see if God had done something for me to this magnitude, um, I would come in contact with people and say, can you imagine what he has for you? 
Absolutely. Can you imagine what he has for you? I'm no different. I'm not special. Unfortunately, something horrible happened to me, but here's what I've experienced. But here's what I know. I know for a fact that if he has done all of this for me, he'll do the same for you, right? Um, So in waking up, I was mentally unstable. Uh, If you were to ask some of my closest uh, family members, they would say that Jonathan lost his mind. Literally, I was not okay. Yeah. People were happy that I was alive. Absolutely. And the drug usage did not help at all because it just, um, it just took my mental instability to just a level of, I was gone. Yeah. I just wasn't there. I did not want to live. I can't tell you how many times I tried to kill myself. I did multiple times. It just, it wouldn't work. He yeah. said there was times where I would take massive amount of pills, not wanting to wake up the next day, but I would wake up the next day. Mm. Um, and so, uh, the, you know, my mind was not okay. My mind was, was gone. Yeah. Um, I, I was destroyed inside the impact. I was not able to process. I did not have the right people around me. And to be honest, even if I did, now that I look back, I, I was so, um, so broken. I wasn't ready for help. Right. Yeah. I just wasn't I ready for it. Imagine. And so I was running, I was running and my mind was on one thing, which was to mm-hmm. keep suppressed what had happened to me by using drugs, by getting caught up in the streets, by, uh, just running away from it. Uh, rather than actually drawing closer to what I had asked for that evening. And if I was to look back and see what I asked for that evening was for another chance to live. And if I got that chance to live, I would serve God. Mm-hmm. I was running from that for many, many years. Yeah. But the second, the instance that I lined myself with that desire to figure out, okay, who did I pray to? Who did I ask another chance to? Something amazing, something beautiful began to unfold in my life after that. So your recovery took how long as far as like you just being able to function on your own in uh, the hospital? Um, it took about two years. So um, my accident happened in right around Thanksgiving before Christmas of like 2002, 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, those months I was in in the hospital. I was in um, Cooper Hospital. That's where they kept me for a very long time. And then I was was brought back over here to to a rehab for about six to seven months. So I was about a year and some change I was in in the hospital or a rehab facility. Um, Then after the year and a half was when they said, hey, um, I I was still hooked up to tubes. I mean, remember, my, my stomach was freshly put back together from them having to open it and, and, and assess. Yeah. Um, my mouth is wired shut. So I wasn't eating no food through my mouth. Everything was going through a, a tube in my stomach. Mm-hmm. And what was going through my stomach was just maintaining me. So I wasn't gaining no weight. I, if I was to show you pictures, you'd see literally I was, I was bony and I've always been a skinny guy, but I've always been into sports. I was always a soccer player, you know? So, yeah. you know, I was just a thin guy, but I, I could play, but this was a different type of, of, of skinny. It was, it was, it was horrible. It, it was yeah. bad. I mean, I would look at myself in the mirror, not want to look at myself. You, I would cry. That, again, I'm looking back at a 17-year-old boy because that's what I was when this happened to me. Yeah. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, you know, I had to face this. Fortunately, um, I was able to grab my pain. I was able to grab what I went through and really just accept it and say, okay, what, what do I do with this? You know, yeah. I, I, got, I can't just continue using the drugs and running away from it. Um, and again, that's when I experienced something very, very, very beautiful. The moment that I said yes to figuring out who I prayed to. 
but it took years. So I would say about three years max. So I was 17 um, for two and a half, three years. It was very wild. I remember a very, very wild couple of seasons of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it happened. And then, uh, and then that moment happened where, where something clicked. So was it an event that triggered it or was it that you were just sitting there one day and you were like, something's got to give like this. I can't yeah. live like this. That's a great question. So um, there were so many things that had happened in between, but I'll never forget this. Uh, here I am probably, I'm probably 20, 21 and I'm doing well inside. I'm, I'm hit. I'm empty. I am addicted to the drugs that uh, not only was I selling, but I was consuming mm-hmm. um, as I had to figure out a way to, to maintain the habit. And, you know, and unfortunately, you just end up selling it. Right. I mean, you, you get involved with 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 the wrong people and you, you learn how to how to do something to maintain your habit. Um, and on the outside, you know, my family is blessed because I'm alive. They know I'm not doing good, but I'm at least I'm that miracle boy in this area. I was known as the miracle Spanish boy that made it through this horrible thing. But on the inside, I was I was empty. I I was doing really, really bad. And I'll never forget. I'm sitting in in my room in that Harper Township and um, I'm literally like crying myself to sleep. I'm crying myself to sleep. There's tears coming out of my eyes before going to sleep. Uh, and then I just start asking why, why must I, why am I feeling this way? Yeah. Everyone's telling me I'm doing well. They're happy that I'm alive, but on the inside, I did not want to live. And, and so this is where it happened. I, I believe, and this was nothing miraculous. This wasn't God showing up in this, this weird or, uh, you know, no, not at all. I didn't hear a voice. I just remember feeling like I was taken back to that car accident or, or, or taken back to that conversation, those words that, that I spoke right before I closed my eyes. I remember, um, you know, hearing and, and seeing myself just dying and asking, hey, if you give me one more chance to live, I'll come back and serve you. And I just felt like, like God just, just spoke to me and said, hey, the reason why you're feeling the way you're feeling is because I gave you what you asked for, but you have not kept your end of what you said you would. Yeah. And that in that instance, that that evening, something just clicked. Oh my goodness. I need to figure out who I pray to. I, I need to find who I asked another chance to live for. And so that's where uh, a journey of seeking, I call it. I, I had a journey where where I am seeking, I am busting doors down. I'm looking everywhere, Isha, from 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 a, a Buddhist book to a Catholic tradition, I'm looking everywhere to meditation. I'm trying everything possible to figure out who I pray to. And to, I'm just looking for a connection. I'm trying to find who it was that I prayed to. And that, so that evening, I would say, is when it happened for me. I, I ended up actually um, falling right into a, um, um, I detoxed right in my room. I remember wow. going, yeah, I, I remember going into like this thing where I said, you know what, forget everyone. I got to get away from everything and everyone who was holding me back. I literally became dead to, to all of my closest friends. And I, I just stayed in the house for days and days and days. And I don't know how I made it through, but I made it through. Um, and, and it was about a week, week and a half, uh, you know, days where I was just laying on the ground uh, as I'm detoxing, you know, um, and, and that's where it happened, where I began to, to really just say, you know what, I, I need to figure out who I pray to. 
and a, a journey of seeking, a season of seeking, uh, you know, commenced in my life at that time. So how did you end up where, where you are now? So I know you're um, doing all these speaking engagements, but what happened before you got to that point? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So in, in my season of seeking, you know, um, it, it took some time and and. I, I smile because literally the last thing that I picked up was the Bible. You know, I was very anti-Bible. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was. I mean, I, you know, on my end, uh, I went through a season, a very like revolutionary season, right? Yeah. Che Guevara, very, you know, take me to the mountains of Colombia and I'll survive there type mentality. Everything was built. Everything was manufactured to control people. And so the last thing that I touched was the Bible. It was always there. Right. I think it's in almost in everyone's home. Yeah. Um, but it was the last thing that I actually engaged with. And so I was seeking everywhere. I, I looked here, I looked there, I looked into my family's, you know, Catholic background to see if there was something there. But but nothing was happening, nothing was sticking. Right. Yeah. Uh, until until this book came into my life. Um, there was a missionary by the name of Jeanette, uh, and she's such a blessing. She came actually to our home to connect with my mom, to pray for my mother, because she was going through a lot. And um, now again, I, I had turned my life, I had said yes to, to changing, but I still had to deal with all the consequences of all my, all my decisions. Right. Yeah. They were still there. Um, and so again, my, I, I made a mess uh, of my home, uh, of my home life. Not only did my little brother see all that I was going through, but I, I was a really bad influence on them. Uh, but I was also affecting my mother massively. So this lady comes to to the house to pray for my mom and to connect with me. Uh, I didn't really connect with her. I wasn't, but she left this book behind. And this book is called A Purpose Driven Life mm. by an individual okay. named Rick Warren. Yeah. Uh, and, and mock my words, I'm going to say this. I'm just going to speak this now. One day I will meet Rick Warren. And one day I'm going to show him how his book and him uh, writing this book really inspired a young man to pursue what God had for him. Uh, and I'm believing it will happen before uh, Rick Warren passes on, if that makes any sense. Oh, um, it, will uh, it will happen for sure. So, um, so this book ends up in my home in Spanish and my mother never picks it up. But again, remember, I'm in this season of seeking. So I'm right. reading, I'm disciplined, I'm, I'm doing pushups, I'm, I'm staying away from the drugs, I'm staying focused. It's all about the mind. It's all about staying right and trying to figure out who I pray to. And then I see this book and I'm like, are you going to read this? And my mom is like, no. So I grabbed it, uh, not knowing that this book would be actually the gateway to where I would be today. I grabbed this book and I just started to believe what this book had to say. Uh, this book was really well written. Um, I could understand. I could understand the message. And the reality was anytime that I would try to pick up the Bible, just, it was just too much. It was yeah. very heavy. There was a lot going on there. I don't know. I didn't know where to start. I didn't grow up in church and neither did I have someone around me telling me, hey, here's how you open this thing up and you start understanding it. So this book called A Purpose Driven Life was key, key to that door opening in my life. Um, and listen, I, I got to a point where in the book, um, it, it says, hey, you've accepted Christ. You've accepted dot, dot, dot. Now you need to get yourself into a church, uh, a Bible believing church. Mm -hmm. um, now, again, I didn't have no history of, you know, I thought church was a church, you know, and the way that I ended up at our church was because my little cousin got married there, which is where Ashley and, and Barbara 
where Barbara and Paul pretty much raised, uh, you know, uh, um, Ashley and her sister and their yeah. families and stuff. Um, and so I walked through the doors of Praise Tabernacle in Egg Harbor Township, and I never walked out. I walked in, and I've been there ever since. Right? Um, it, it's been it's been quite the journey. I I remember walking in. I remember listening to people singing like I've never heard them sing before. Mm-hmm. Worshiping. I remember hearing a man getting up and and sharing from the Bible like I've never heard before. It really captivated me. It grabbed hold of me. Uh, and and I feel like God did something really special when when that moment happened. Um, and here I am today, probably ten years plus. Yeah, yeah, because me and Ash are going on for eleven years, and so I'm probably I probably been, been yeah, it's ha- it's happening. So I, I've been there for about twelve years. But um, the beautiful thing is, you know, what what started there was actually what launched me into what I do t- today. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm now a part of um, a, a larger organization called the Ocean City Tabernacle, um, and and that's that's where I'm at. That's that's where I'm at full full time. I, I still am tied in with Praise Tabernacle because that's home. Yeah. And I don't know if you know many Spanish people, but Spanish people are very loyal. They they'll they'll stick with you. You know, you yeah. help me out at some point in my life. I'm there all the way through. I'll take a bullet for you type type mentality. Uh, and so I have a hard time letting go of of those who have helped me. But so I'm still at Praise Tabernacle, but I'm at this other spot called Ocean City Tabernacle, which has really helped me develop into who I am today. So I want you to be transparent about those first days, because I feel like people who are new to any kind of religious faith based practice, um, they expect that when they go in, like you went to praise and they expect that it's going to be like, oh, <laughs> and everything that everybody says, you're just going to believe it and you're going to take it in. But be honest, like how long did it take for you to really grasp that? Yes, this is it. This is where I need to be. I'm going to follow, you know, what the Lord has for me. Um because I, I do feel like people who are outside coming into any faith-based practice, they want that moment where it's like this magical thing that they feel, but that's not always the case. So yeah. how, how was your process? That, that, that's a great point you're making because, again, I mean, we are all unique. We are all different. And God yeah. really has a, a different plan for each and every one of us, right? So my experience is definitely not going to be like, it's not going to be yours. Right. And that's just the reality of it. Right. Now, again, going back to me, I, I was hungry. I was broken. I I was looking to be repaired. And so for me, everything lined up really well. And when these two men, and when I mean two men, the, the leaders who are still leading today, and um, I get to call them friends because now we all co-leader. I'm one of the leaders with them. Um, They really just, just sat down and talked to me. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and so here's what I would say. Don't look for a, a magical aha moment. Yeah. But look for genuine people, right? Genuine individuals that will give you this kind of attention, that will give you their ear, that will give you their eyes, that will give you their heart and, and truly want to see the best that God has created in you. And that's what these two individuals did for me. They, they sat down with me. Uh, they listened to me. Uh, they knew that, hey, something has happened to you. What, mm-hmm. Tell us your story. What happened? And, and Isha, for me, that was a big thing because I was hiding from all that by, 
by doing drugs, by staying high, by living the life that I was living. And so I was suppressing my story. Yeah. I didn't want to, I didn't want to talk about it. I don't want to, I'm, I'm trying to hide these images of me dying. Yeah. I'm tired of waking up in the middle of the night sweating. I'm tired of all these things. So, you know, I don't want to talk about them, but I found this beautiful freedom in, in learning to talk about what happened to me. And actually it did, it freed me. Yeah. And so I, I would say this, don't look for the aha. They don't exist. It is, is anything possible with God? Absolutely. If God wants to create an aha moment in your life, it will happen and, and it will be noticeable. You'll, you'll acknowledge it. You'll know that it's a moment, but don't expect that every Sunday. Don't expect yeah. that at every gathering, because there is going to be times where it's going to feel stale. Mm-hmm. It's going to feel quiet. You're not going to have the same fire that you had last mm-hmm. year. You're not going to have the same zeal that you had three years ago. Uh, things change. And yeah. so I wouldn't look for the aha moment. I will look for the genuineness and the love that l- those leaders or those people that, that are operating in that church have for the people they come in contact with. And let's be real. We can pick up when someone's being fake or weird. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. And so, hey, if it didn't work out in this one establishment, mm, all right, go, keep looking. There, there's a tribe out there for you. Right. There's no doubt about that. So I wouldn't look for the aha moment. I would look for love, genuine. I will look for real authenticity. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's what I would say for those looking. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, there is no aha moment every time you walk in. Absolutely uh, before, not. Um, before that moment, had anybody ever asked you, like, if you were okay, or, um, you know, tell me what I can do for you? You know, what do you need? Like, did anybody really focus on you as the person as opposed to you as this person who had an accident and that's a wrap on another amazing episode i know that you were just as inspired as i was after listening to that conversation and to let us know how we're doing don't forget to leave us a review like share and follow the podcast Also, make sure you follow us on all social media platforms at The Black Girl Blogger and check out our website, www.theblackgirlblogger.com. And the most important step, make sure you share the podcast with someone you know and tell them to share with someone they know. And if you know someone who has an amazing story to tell or if you yourself would love to tell your story, Leave us a message on our website or any of our social media platforms so we can reach out to you and have you on the podcast. Until next time, peace out.